0: Right, you know, this is good.
1: This is real good. Okay, I think it's
0: vibing, vibing out.
1: Yeah, some
0: coffee. It's interesting to record this not late at night. I kind of, I know, I kind of like it.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel I have so much energy,
0: <laughs> right? It's like not the end of the long day, it's kind yeah. of the start of a day.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: How are you? You're on an adventure.
1: I am on an adventure. I am. We've traveled all the way up the western seaboard to uh, up to Washington State. I am currently sitting in my mother's walking closet, which I would recommend for everyone to have one of these. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I could live
0: in that room. I'm just I mean, like it's looking crazy. at it behind yeah. you, and I'm uh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and you know, my mom, is, she's gotten better, but she's definitely one of those people who like has a hard time getting rid of things. Um, and, but I'm looking at her clothes and I'm like, I told her today that because, you know, we're basically quarantining with them or, you know, safe at home with them for the next, however long. And I was like, you know what? We have to have magical dinners where we, wear um, your nicest clothes. I'm like, I want to put your shoes on and
0: (laughs) yes, I love that. You absolutely need to do that. Right. That is fun.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm good. You know, uh. I'm trying to think if I've, I guess I had a little bit of a magical adventure with you guys when we all went camping, and then James and I drove uh, back down all the way on Highway One. Yes. And it's, I'd never actually done that before. It's the most beautiful drive I've ever been on in my life.
1: Really? Maybe we'll do that on the way back, because I'd like to see that. I mean,
0: if you have the time, you should. That's all I'll say. And there's like fun things along the way. The, like, there's a place called Elephant Seal Vista where you can get out, and there's
1: Ooh.
0: like hundreds and hundreds of elephant seals. Just like right <gasps> oh, there. Oh, that's so fun. And I, I actually took a bunch of videos. And I think the kids, your kids would love
1: it. Oh, my gosh. That would be so fun. We'll definitely do that. Maybe we'll, anyways, not interesting, but maybe we'll pop down, get down as far as we can and then pop over. Because I'm not sure if I could be in the car with them for that long. They did good, though. I will say I was very stressed and worried because they're so little to be in the car for. And by the time we got here, because we took some detours, we were in the car for 20 hours over the span of like, you know, four Days, but still, it's That's like, a
0: lot. I mean, you know, that is a but lot. They did good.
1: They did good. good. We watched. We watched uh, the Trolls movie a hundred times. So, uh-huh. anywho, we we really hope everyone out there is hanging in during this quarantine time. And if you're listening to this, hopefully, years from now, and you're like, "Ooh, I want a romantic cr- criminal podcast," that you don't even remember this. That's what I hope. I hope
0: right that it's all been eradicated when you discover this podcast six years from now. I feel like exactly. that's always your number when you find this I, podcast six years yeah. from now. I don't know why. It is July 2020, and the that's world
1: right. is oh, upside down. Oh, but wait. Avrin, did you see I posted on our Rom Crime on the stories that we all live through Chad Daybell's end of days day, yeah, which was the 22nd. We, we all made it. We survived. We survived. It was
0: not the end of days. Shocker.
1: No. I know. <laughs> What Although it does asshole. kind of feel
0: end of Daisy. I know. Just well, in general.
1: Can I just be honest and tell you, I so on the day before, the night before, I get, uh, I get, uh, what is it called? earthquake alerts on my phone and there was a huge earthquake in Alaska, seven point eight, which is really huge and like tsunami warnings. It was in the ocean, but still like that kind of thing could like people could feel it. And then there was one like basically moving down the coast. And at this time I was on I was on the Oregon coast and I was like, oh my God, we have to I woke up the next morning. I'm like, we're leaving today. We have to get out of here. It's the world is ending. This is Chad Dable's ending world and my husband was like how about we just have some breakfast and chill the fuck right. out? He's and like,
0: and maybe, maybe you, you take a step back from the Rom Crime Podcast. <laughs> I know, I yeah. know. Just and kidding. You know, just, never step back, never step I'm back. But I'm just,
1: I'm such a like, you know, I'm an anxious person. But you know, for me, when I sleep, pain hurts more, anxiety, I feel it more. Like, I'm probably one of the only people who have had like panic attacks while sleeping. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, enough about wow. my insanity. Yeah. Not but bad. we survived. And yeah, we survived.
0: And no earthquake hit you in the Oregon coast.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> and Chad Daybell is, and Lori Vallow are where they should be. They're in prison.
1: In prison. Exactly. Because they did bad things. You can't yeah. murder people. People. You can't murder people.
0: You can't murder people and specifically you cannot murder your own kids.
1: You really shouldn't.
0: Or you just All really. The...
1: Well, today's <laughs> episode is oh, guys, hi, I'm Vanya. I'm the Rom. What's oh that? my god, I'm
0: Averin and I'm the crime, and yes. this is Rom Crime, in case you haven't picked up on that. This is our true crime <laughs> comedy podcast that has...
1: Romantic motorcycle accidents. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It never is. It's never romantic, but that was just the first thing that came into my head. Um, romantic
0: motorcycle accidents. Yes. Yeah.
1: We're covering episode three of Chloe Kardashian's Twisted Love ID Discovery documentary series, Yes. Um, which is right up our alley and it's perfect for our summer series of just kind of getting to follow something. Stay home and
0: watch TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the story of of the shutdown, right?
1: It is. So episode three is entitled Love is Relative. Mm-hmm. And I guess,
0: am I going to start us off on I what? think you are, Vanya. I, ho- take I hope it I do away. okay because
1: I was I was research I was researching while I was driving and not actually me driving, but you know, my husband.
0: Oh, I was going to be like, "Geez, Louise."
1: I know I'm real dangerous. Cheese and
0: rice, Vanya. What is going on? <laughs> You're just like watching know. a documentary while driving.
1: I don't know, right, but I, I could listen away. to it. Okay, yeah,
0: that's true. You totally could.
1: Yeah. So we open on well, do uh, do we want to open on the actual thing they open on? No. Okay, so I'm not going to do it because it's sort of a spoiler alert. So I'm going to start with El Paso, Texas. Um, let's see here. El Paso, Texas, and we see Mark Werpa. Mark is the brother of Gloria. Gloria was a woman who, she was a sweet, kind, sort of pious woman. She got married very young to a man named Armando and they had two boys immediately and mark her brother said it seemed like that they it seemed like that they were happy until um until armando started working out of town and around when the boys were 6 years old so the two boys they she had two boys one named Manny the older boy and the younger boy David um around 6 they got divorced because he just was gone all the time and they didn't really go into why or what he was doing but i have a you know, suspicion that he was probably just gallivanting about with his penis yes, and other women. And I feel,
0: right. And I feel like Mark, her brother kind of alluded to like how, if we ever tried to say anything bad about Armando, she would like staunchly yes, defend him When he was describing exactly. their wedding. So I don't know, maybe it was not a good marriage, but it, they definitely made it seem like it was just cause he wasn't around.
1: No, you're totally right. And also something that I feel about Gloria is she's a person who's always going to, it sounds like she has the idea, which I think a lot of people who are raised in religion believe like I'm, you know, I get married. This is what I do. We do this. And it has to be this way for me to, you know, get into heaven or whatever to be a good person. She just seems like so if the marriage wasn't going great, she wasn't going to tell anybody else, whatever. Right. That's what I think. Um, so she raises the two boys by herself, Self, David and Manny. Um, David, her, their last name is Mar- Marmolejo. David was the younger boy. He was a mama's boy. Totally, like, she babied him all his life. Um, Manny was the older kid who kind of, like, took things into his own hands. He was really, like, really successful, really smart. So, But David was super good-looking in high school. He worked out a lot. He, like, pumped iron. He had those, like, teenage muscles. And then when he was around 17, he gets his girlfriend or who knows even if it's his girlfriend. But he gets a girl pregnant. Her name's Lisa. He decides, smart, not smart, just kidding, but who knows what the circumstances. He drops out of school to raise his family. So it's there's, you know, there's a level of good for you. You're doing what you should do. To get do, a job, right? yeah, like, so
0: he can pay support them.
1: And then while he's doing that, he, you know, he starts working in construction and things like that. They have four kids together. Four. Four children. Guys, I have had two, and it is horrifying. Well, I don't want to scare anybody out there, but it's like having a baby, like having a baby, I just don't understand. And whatever, four kids. So she was 17 when she started having babies. <coughs> Excuse me with this guy. I'm just going to swig a little bit of my Costco water here.
0: Oh, Costco.
1: My parents love it. <laughs> um, so then David gets an opportunity to move to Phoenix to work a good paying construction job because it is true. You can make a lot of money in construction. And his brother Manny also lives there, um, and also his dad lives in Phoenix. So, it's kind of like an opportunity for him to go do something different, and take. He, so he takes his whole family. Um, so in in Phoenix, where David's father also lived, he gets David's father gets remarried. Armando gets remarried, so and his new wife has an eleven year old daughter named Mariah. So, the families would all get together, and this. Little girl, Mariah, the 11-year-old, was like a puppy dog for David. And they didn't ever say exactly how old he was. But at this point, if he has had four kids, and let's say he didn't in four years, he would be at least 21. So he's a little bit older than her, I think, by quite a bit. But anyways, at least 10 years older. But That's she's it. 11.
0: She's 11. It doesn't matter yeah. how old he is. Yeah, she's exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: And But she's like a puppy dog for him. She follows him around. And it's a, you know, nobody talks about it they were weirded out when they were younger like that, when she was younger, but they quickly talk about her moving into becoming a teenager and being absolutely, you know, just a beautiful teenage kid, girl. And Lisa, that's the girlfriend, David's real girlfriend. um, The baby mama. The baby mama becomes concerned about them spending so much time together, basically saying their vibe made her uncomfortable. You know, she was something wasn't right and it's like it's such a I don't know it's such a difficult thing because you never want to like call somebody out on that shit but anyways but or do you you, know
0: I think you do I mean if you're sensing that there's inappropriateness between an adult and a child yes say something (laughs) you know exactly
1: exactly I and I think as the mom I would be all over that shit but you never know. I mean like you don't know, you trust that that the steps kids are having a normal relationship, but we don't know at this point if anything's going on, but it was definitely like creepy whatever. So then let's go back to El Paso. So David David's mom where she lives, she's by herself now in El Paso and all her kids and every all her grandkids are in Phoenix. She begins to feel actually like she's being watched when she's in her backyard. And she has this super creepy feeling and she catches some guy taking photographs of her. And so she has this like feeling that someone's stalking her. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really say much of it. She doesn't tell anybody because she's, who knows, maybe she was trying to pray it away. I don't know. But anyways, at this point, David takes a job, decides to take a job in Hawaii. So it's this like really well-paying construction gig in Hawaii. His girlfriend, Lisa, decides... To move back to El Paso with her four kids. She takes them and goes. She's like, I mean, what am I going to do in Phoenix? My whole family is back in El Paso. They got married when they were super young. Right. So she moves back. So she always knew that David was a ladies man and that he, you know, had sex with other people. But not exactly. He wasn't. She, it never really was confirmed. But he had been messing around with some girl in Hawaii a girl named adrian and it got back to her like i'm not exactly sure like maybe the, is this the time of facebook i'm not sure but somehow it gets back to lisa and lisa's like you know what we're done that's good thanks thanks yeah. for the four kids go fuck yourself so so their relationship's over his side piece adrian whom he was having the affair with becomes pregnant because apparently this guy doesn't like to wear condoms or any kind of you know
0: protection of any kind yes. yeah. and super super um is it is viral the word we're looking yeah for? just like lots just of lots of babies
1: lots of so much semen powerful with lots semen. of powerful semen um so david takes a job in should Hawaii. that be the name of the episode powerful <laughs> semen yes absolutely no yeah sorry so he's still there and B- uh, gloria gloria is pissed his mom she's pissed she's like you know what you're better than this. You were raised better than this. This is wrong. Your family's back in El Paso. You shouldn't be cheating on yada yada. But eventually she just kind of gives in or whatever. Um, Not gives in, but, you know, she's always kind of, seems like she's, I don't know if she's like chewing him out always. Like she babies him. David's her like baby, but she's always like, you know, as a mom does, they rag on you a little bit. And sounds like in this case, they probably, she should because he's all over the place. So then, David gets in a motorcycle accident in Hawaii where his leg gets like completely ravaged and without a th- without a thought, Gloria drops everything and goes to Hawaii to take care of him and help him recover. Okay, guys, so she's taking care of him, helping him recover all the things. Remember Mariah, the 11-year-old? Well, she's not 11 anymore. She's a 16-year-old girl. His stepsister, s- his stepsister, sister, <laughs> She had visited Hawaii earlier on vacation and Adrian, the new girlfriend, found them in bed together, not naked, but clothes on and just like sleeping together. It was weird. And I guess over the time that she was there, she could feel like something sexual was happening. And she tells Gloria, which I'm like girl just get out like just leave this guy but also anyway she tells the mom and the mom of course freaks out on him again and is like forbids him to be she's he, this is your sister i know you guys aren't blood related but this is your sister you can't this, mess yeah, with your
0: father's daughter yeah but she's, not by blood. she's
1: underage so also she doesn't know what she's doing you're the adult in the situation get uh, stay away from her Um, she goes back to El Paso, El Paso.
0: But doesn't he just like deny, deny, deny? He denies, denies. Like there's nothing going on here.
1: He maintains that they did not have a relationship. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Um, so she, so Gloria's back in El Paso. We've got David in Hawaii still raising his new fifth child with his new girlfriend, whatever. And... This is where Gloria starts to feel really unsafe in her home in El El Paso. And who knows what her motives was. But she asks, she asks David, come live with me. help, Please help me, protect me. Instead of, like, calling the cops, which, guys, just call the cops. Like, it has to be on record if someone's stalking you or whatever. But anyways, so she gets David... To come home and it's a good opportunity for him to kind of like get his life together, to be near his four kids in El Paso and to help his mom, you know, just around the house just like protect her.
0: He's still dealing with an injury from the motorcycle, so he's not working in Hawaii. Exactly, exactly. He's just there with a girlfriend who hates him now and thinks that
1: he's sleeping (laughs) with his stepsister. Yes, exactly. So she's
0: like, I can offer you something better than what you got going on.
1: Exactly, and as pretty as Hawaii is. Yeah, so he gets free rent, whatever. So he goes back to El Paso. And that's where I'm going to throw it to you, Abby. Oh, and
0: that's where you're going to throw it to me. Okay, so I started... (laughs) Basically, yeah, right where you left off. Gloria offers David, you know, a free place to live and um, to heal mm-hmm. at her home and a chance to get his life back on track. Like, she really wants him to try to patch things up with Lisa, the mother of his four kids, and... Um, you know, just, like, stop making such a mess of everything. Because at this point, everybody in the family is, like, pissed at David. They're like, what is <laughs> wrong with you? You're a sick fuck. And they're not <laughs> wrong. Um, but anyway, so he moves home, as Vanya said. But also, as we mentioned, um, Manny and all of his kids live in Phoenix. And so now that she's got someone in... At her home to keep an eye on things, make sure everything's okay, she decides that she's going to kind of spend the summer of 2009 in Phoenix. And she'll come back and forth a little bit, but she wants to spend the summer with her grandbabies in Phoenix. So, all she says is that while she's away, you know, please take care of the house and um, don't, you know, like, move any new ladies in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mariah who was in Phoenix, makes her way to El Paso. And um, we are introduced to um, Estrella Alexander, who was a good friend of Mariah's, who basically says to her, the house, Gloria's house, she thought it was David's house. And Mariah was straight up living there. She introduced David as her boyfriend. Estrella, who was her close friend, didn't even realize they were stepbrother and stepsister. She even had her 19th birthday party at David and Gloria's house because Mariah was her best friend and she clearly lived in the house. So. Crazy. It's just so fucked up. So Gloria is traveling, you know, back and forth. And when she is in El Paso, she notices things here and there that are very suggestive that a woman is maybe living in her house. And. She said, no women. She said it. Then, she finds out that the stuff is Mariah's stuff. And Gloria loses her goddamn mind. (laughs) Like, she is like, what did we say about this? No, 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 no. Um, It's wrong. It's gross. And he's still denying, denying. She's like, you can't deny it. This is her things in my home that I am allowing you to stay in. And she... Gloria at this point you know is still doing the back and forth thing in Phoenix but once she kind of get gets wind that Mariah is like living in her home
1: mm.
0: she's like no and she is literally like screaming at him on the phone saying'm I'm, I'm coming home and if I find any evidence of Mariah being in my home like you're you're done you're out on the street I will have no more to do with you so. It is now July 25th of 2009 when she's driving home to, I don't know if it's like confront the situation or just check in, like check in yeah. to see if the, the naughty naughty is really happening. Right. And um, later that evening when um, Manny, her oldest son, doesn't hear from her, he starts to become concerned because she would always call, you know, she was doing this back and forth thing regularly. So he she always called... And, you know, said, like, I'm home. Yeah. I'll, you know, everything's good here, blah da blah So Manny then calls his uncle Mark, Gloria's brother, and asks him if he could go over to the house to check on Gloria. And so he's like, okay, yeah. So he goes there. He can't find her either. There, No one can get a hold of her. Nobody has any idea where she is. So then the police are called, and um, they – do a missing person report. There have been, um, as police start to investigate, they can see that there's been zero activity on her cards, like her Mm. credit cards or debit cards since she left um, Phoenix. And her purse, cell phone, and car are all missing. So they're like, where is Gloria? Mm. All right. Um, Police obviously interview every member of the family, And then they start to canvas the neighborhood. And it kind of jumps back and forth now in the documentary in terms of, like, what day it is since she's been reported missing. So I'm just going to double check that I don't need to. Okay. So on July 29th, four days after Gloria has disappeared, police learn about Gloria's concern that a neighbor of hers was stalking her. So obviously they're like, all right. We're going to go talk to those people. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the neighbor who lived behind her, and um, an elderly woman lives there with her son. The son who lives there, it turns out, is actually developmentally challenged, mm. and um, it becomes pretty clear that any concern that she had about being inappropriately like stalked was probably more of a misunderstanding of not understanding yeah. Um This this was like almost like a small child in a in a man's body who was, was not stalking her. And so they quickly kind of figure out that this doesn't have anything to do with it. So then, um this was random too in the documentary. Like the police officer who had been interviewing those people is leaving Gloria's neighborhood, heading south, and he spots a vehicle that matches the description of Gloria's car. And so he pulls up next to it, runs the plates. It is her car. And inside, it's you can see visibly from not you don't have to open the door. You can see visibly her purse and her cell phone inside the car. So now cops are like, shit. Yeah, like this that's woman not good news. this woman is either out there somewhere with no, you know, no purse, phone or car or the worst case scenario mm-hmm. has happened. So Police are kind of like, well, geez, what do we do now? They, go, they decide to go back to Gloria's house to look around more thoroughly. Yeah. And in the garage, they find what they consider to be potential evidence of a struggle. There's, like, beads all over the floor that would suggest maybe, like, someone had ripped a necklace off of someone. Okay. Um, and then they also notice a red smudge on a cabinet in the garage that definitely looks like it could be blood. So now Gloria's house is considered a crime scene. I'm having a sip of
1: coffee. Oh, no. I'm just so sad because I know what happened.
0: So six days into the disappearance of Gloria Marmalejo, police discover the body of a woman matching her description in the desert near Santa Teresa, New Mexico. This body is found... Lying on the ground with a bag over her head. She has ligature marks around her neck, which means that something was used, not like bare hands. um, Something was used to strangle her, and her trachea had been crushed. But because of the bad shape the body had been in from being in the desert, police can't positively identify her based on the photos that they had. So they call in Manny to see if he'll come in and let them know if this is her.
1: Yeah, identify.
0: And it was. So the body of Gloria Marmalejo was found six days after she disappeared. The family is understandably devastated. They go on television to make, like, a plea for anyone in the public who might know something to come forward. It's um, Manny, Mark, and David. They're all together. They're crying on camera. And um, I believe it's Manny who says... You know, I know that my mom probably looked into the eyes of her killer and forgave them. And then they all just like start weeping and hugging each other. And I am like, ooh, yeah. I just know, I know where this is going to go. And so this specific moment in the documentary kind of pissed me off. Yeah. Watching, watching one yeah. of those people crying so darn hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then police go back to the beginning like, they're like, okay, let's start – they just start combing through everything that they already had, including all of the notes that they had taken when they had canvassed the neighbors. And they discover that a neighbor had actually told one of the cops that around 5 a.m. on the morning of July 26th, so the day after Gloria disappeared, um, they heard Gloria's garage door open and saw her car actually pull out of the garage So then police go back to this neighbor woman, and they ask, did you see who was driving the car? And the woman said, actually, I did. It um, it wasn't Gloria. Um, It was a girl who looked like she was, you know, maybe in her mid-20s. So now police are like, okay, who is a girl that's in this family who's in her, who would look like she's in her mid-20s? Could it be, I think at this point, 18-year-old Mariah? So they then turn their focus to Mariah. And while they're questioning her, they notice that she has a cut on one of her fingers. And it looks like a deep cut. And they're like, now they think that she was involved in the murder. So then the documentary randomly switches over to like, hello, I am Dr. Deborah Ontiveros. I'm a clinical psychologist who lives in El Paso. And then they have her watch footage of Mariah's police interview and give her opinion on it, which I end up really liking this woman. But I was like, what? The actual what's happening here. (laughs) So they have her watch the footage of the first time Mariah is speaking to the cops. And she says that what strikes her immediately is how emotionless Mariah is. She's quiet, but she's calm. It's very obvious that she's used to lying about her relationship with David. And she's used to protecting him. Because they're, like, asking her a bunch of questions about, like, what was, you know, where were y'all at? What's going on? What happened to your finger? Yeah. So Mariah tells the cops that the cut on her finger happened at work. She works in a restaurant. Um, and the blood stain that they had found on the cabinet in Gloria's garage was Mariah's blood. So they're, like, not convinced that she's telling the truth. But then they call her job, and the job actually corroborates her story and says, yeah, you no, know, she got a bad cut here at work. That is what that's from. So then they're like, well, okay damn it, they just keep getting stopped and thwarted yeah. at, all, at all angles. But then she says, well, now how did your blood end up on that cabinet in the garage? And she says that um, it happened uh, during a physical altercation with her boyfriend, David. And this is when police learned that David actually has routinely over the course of their relationship physically assaulted Mariah and that he was somebody that was very domineering and controlling and that she appeared to be maybe a little scared of him. Oh, Even really? though in love with him. So now police are like, well, all right, we got to talk to David because if he is a violent person and he lived in that house and we think that maybe it happened in that house, well, I think maybe we got to talk to David yeah. again. So in David's initial statement to police, he told them that on July 25th, he was at the movies with friends. One of those friends was Mariah. And that around 5 p.m. his mother called and said that she was locked out of the house. She didn't have her house key. So according to David's statement, he left the theater, drove home, let her in to the house, helped her unpack her bags, gave her a kiss, and then turned around and drove back to the theater. And he was back there around 545. But police are like, I don't think I believe you. I just don't think I believe you. So they go back to Mariah thinking that, you know this girl knows more than she told us last time. And they ask him, um, or ask her, sorry, how long was David gone when he left the theater to go let his mom in? And then eventually, after, like, asking her over and over again, she eventually says he was gone for around three hours. And then they say, well, what do you think was happening? And she said, well, he sent me a text when I asked him, like, what was taking so long that said I had to take care of something. And Um. then... He sends her another text a little later later that said, "I had to do what I had to do." And then they're like, "What do you think that meant?" And she was like, "Well, I wasn't really sure, but I thought maybe he had done something bad to his mom." So now police are like, "Okay, oh, we're bringing we're bringing David in as like a suspect. Like, yeah. we think you did this. This, you know, this would be the time to get a lawyer and all that jazz." And David. Uh, his whole story falls apart because he had laid out a timeline for them and they got his cell phone records and um, subpoenaed the cell tower records. And so he made a phone call or his phone was called. I I didn't write that down. Either he called someone or someone called him at 1.37 a.m. And he told police that he was at home sleeping when that happened. But the cell phone evidence actually suggests that his phone, when he picked it up, was um, in the immediate vicinity of where his mother's body was found. So they have him, right? They're Asshole. like, we've caught you in a lie. Um, we've got text messages from your girlfriend's stepsister who, <laughs> like basically it's you saying you, you did something bad, but you had no choice. And now we know that your phone was at the dump site of the body. And he, be, he keeps saying to the police, do you know how – how freaking hard this is. If I'd hurt my mom, I would have put a bullet in my head. It's like he knows he's toast, but he just cannot admit that he's done this thing. Yeah. Okay. So David is arrested. Good. And moving forward before going to trial, the prosecutor decides that they're going to grant Mariah immunity because she's very scared of David. She clearly knew what he had done and If she was the girl driving the car, that means she helped him get rid of evidence, like Mm -hmm. the car. But they want, they need her. They need, she's how they're going to get a conviction. So they offer her immunity in exchange for testifying against David. And this is where it just gets so dark, you guys. So after several hours of talking to her, Mariah finally starts talking. She tells police that David started touching her inappropriately when she was 14 years old and that their relationship became sexual shortly after that. She also tells them that when she was 15 years old, she became pregnant. She told her family that it was a boy from school, but she admits to police that the baby was David's. She actually gave birth to the baby and then gave it up for adoption. Then we cut back to Dr. Deborah Otiveros who says that it's very clear that David had been grooming Mariah from the Mm. time he met her when she was 11. And that this kind of abusive relationship can really kind of create a strange bond between the abuser and the abused that kind of, it almost creates like a strong enough bond that it's it seems like they should want to turn on them, but they don't. They love them and they cling to them. Yeah. And it And it can last for years and years. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of when we did Demented Love on Tuesday with Mary Kay Letourneau. Yes. And so maybe when Mariah turns the age that David was when he started doing this to her, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress. Yeah. So now they find out that not only, so she's been being like portrayed throughout the documentary as a little bit of like a Lolita, like mm-hmm. slinking in and stealing her stepbrother away from all his baby mamas but really she she was 11 years old when he started grooming her to be his yeah his his girlfriend what she's a an she's asshole. a she was a child and um now Mariah gets into the details of the evening of July 25th 2009 she says that after the movie and hanging out with friends um she and David start to drive home to Gloria's. And on the drive, he tells her that he has killed his mother. And she doesn't actually believe him at first. He told her that he and his mom got into a heated argument after she found something of Mariah's in her house and that she was going to throw him out. He told Mariah that he wasn't going to let anyone stop their relationship, so he had decided then that he was just going to eliminate the threat, that being his own mom.
1: Who babied Which, him all his life. What, Yeah, the fuck? and
0: who just didn't it's want okay. him to... Have an inappropriate relationship with his stepsister who was way too young. Yeah. And just be not a schmuck. Anyway, he then tells Mariah that he had hit his mom from behind, pinned her down to the floor where they struggled for a while before he removed his belt, placed it around her neck, and strangled her to death. So Gloria's family is absolutely shocked, and they cannot believe that the person that did this was David. At the end of the trial, David is found guilty and sentenced to 54 years, one year for every year that Gloria was alive. And (sighs) that is the story of powerful semen no that's so sad sad. it just like broke my heart especially the family so now we can just talk about it those were the details of the of the docuseries but I don't know it just it's hard to understand I guess the concept of an obsessive love for someone if you yourself have never been obsessed by another person to the point where you would commit murder for them and so it just it's it doesn't make sense to anybody that's never, I guess, felt that way. But for me, I was really more curious about if he was grooming her when she was 11, that would actually suggest a pattern of yeah. sexual abuse of young people or maybe sexual abuse of himself.
1: Yeah.
0: Because um, they like, do say we don't often, know why. We don't know why. But I mean, I just I don't, and I could speculate a ton, but I won't. Because right. that's just my opinion, but I just thought how strange that somebody, you know, up to this point in their description of him, who was a ladies' man, but not like a lady. Yeah. There were ladies his own age, so like the grooming of it all. I'm just kind of like, where did that come from? And yes, Mariah was truly was a beautiful girl, but not when, when she was eleven. You know, she was eleven.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I'm actually looking at the El Paso Times and. Um, there, he actually was, he was facing 29 charges in connection with rapes and beatings and robberies of four women in the Phoenix area between December 2005 and February 2006. So he, yeah, so he apparently was pled guilty to several charges in connection with a series of rapes and assaults in the Phoenix area more than a decade ago. So this guy who was a murderer of his own mother sentenced already to 54 years in prison um yeah that was in 2011 pleads guilty to different crimes that he did and it's just like my question is this why what made him that way because you know what i was thinking about i was thinking about uh the ken and barbie murders so um, uh carla homoka and what's his name the guy Paul. paul paul that guy remember how he he his mother was kept in like, Bernardo. the ba- yeah, Paul Bernardo. His mother was kept in the basement and he like, he heard his father call her a bitch all the time and all these things. And so, It, like, almost makes sense why that guy was uh, such an asshole rapist. It's, like, what happened to this guy, to David Marmolejo, who, like, wherein ultimately he kills his own mother. And I know you said no speculating, but I'm just, like, I want to understand how someone's brain works that way. Like, has he killed before? I mean, he's definitely, apparently he had also, like, beaten to death, almost to death, some prostitutes and stuff like that. So this guy had a lot of anger. Yes, he did
0: towards women, if everything is assault and rape towards a woman well, yeah. that's first of all i love how the documentary not nary a word on that no. i guess i should start doing some additional looking well into these people. i was just
1: looking for actually i was looking for images and this is what <laughs> popped up and i was like what wait a minute that's, that's not what this that's is about really
0: i mean that's never mentioned one time now if you pled guilty to those things after the fact yeah then maybe that's why they like didn't have that information yet
1: and also that they didn't, they didn't have it. It says, let's see, four counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, four counts of armed robbery with a deadly weapon, four counts of kidnapping resulting in death or serious injury, and two counts of sexual abuse. So, oh my god. Anyways, this guy's a real piece. So he was a, a violent word. criminal. Yeah, and, he's and his in family jail just for... didn't know it. Yeah. So he's he should be spending more time in jail. I'm not exactly sure, but
0: I'm sure they added some time to his sentence.
1: Yeah. Bummer.
0: Wow. That is such a bummer.
1: Yeah. And then, so Mariah's still alive, I guess, right? I wonder if she changed yes. her name. I, I would have. Yeah. Changed my name and just tried to get. Like, yeah, what about the dad, did. too? Did the dad, he should have beaten the shit out of him. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe the dad was the bad influence in the beginning. Who knows? Yeah. Guys.
0: I don't know. Yeah. There's so many unanswered questions when so you like many. try to understand why people do bad things.
1: I know. I know. Oh, very
0: but that is very interesting, all that additional information that you found that they did not provide in the documentary, because that speaks to a pattern of violence and abuse. Yeah. And that uh, makes everything that they revealed about this... I mean, it's his own mother, which of course makes it shocking. But yeah. it's not as surprising if I guess you know those things.
1: Well, and I wonder um, if Gloria knew about some of his behavior. Right. And... There was a point in the documentary where the brother Mark who you can tell his heart oh my god didn't your just heart just break for him oh, he every time. Yeah. was so He's sad it was so raw for him and he but he had mentioned that you know where she had worked for the city people loved her and when she was retiring people were like you should become you should run for city manager or something oh, that's like right. that and she didn't she said no because she didn't he said that she didn't want people prying into her life and I wonder yep. if there's some oh. dark secrets there
0: that makes so much sense, Vanya, because what you know? a weird random thing to, s- like, if yeah. you're a 55-year-old, well-respected, well-loved woman who really doesn't want to retire, retire, right. and someone's like, we would seriously vote for you, and she's like, well, but then they will look into my family.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so no, I'm just gonna, mm, all right
1: there you have it wow guys thank you for listening to this week's episode of Rom Crime
0: that's right thank you guys we love ya Um, I'm just gonna throw it out here because I feel like we haven't said it in a minute if you Mm -hmm. haven't yet rate, review, and subscribe this little
1: gem of a podcast I tell you what the Um, next person to review will get a special shout out on our show so, that's please right. review us on Apple Podcasts if you can. We would appreciate it. And we will shout you out. That's we right. We love you. We love you. I'm